on the School Counselor Podcast. We talk about student athletes and recruiting. Today on the CVU School Counselor Podcast, we have guest Ricky McCollum. Ricky is CVU's Student Activities Director. He is himself an all-state athlete in three sports. He is a UConn grad where he played football on scholarship. He's well-versed uh, on the student-athlete side of the recruiting process. He received a graduate degree from Pace University. Um, after that, he became an athletic director and coach of the Vaughn College men's basketball team. So while at Vaughn, Ricky was one of many responsible for recruiting, thus adding the admin perspective to recruiting to his rather impressive resume. Part of what we're going to be talking about today is the recruiting process and what our students should both be doing and expecting as they begin the process. Show notes will have a list of questions to ask as well as those questions not to ask, um, as well as things not to do or say. If you have questions we did not answer in our interview today, uh, email them to myself or Ricky and we'll get back together and put together part two of this podcast. Um, and we'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening. Let's start with what what is the basic outline or timeline for the recruiting process? I think, honestly, I think it would start, you know, most would say your junior year, but with social media and different outlets and AAU and different type of travel teams, I think sophomore year to really get it going, you know, for me personally, it was picking your top 10, I perfect scenario schools, and then going from there. But I think that recruiting process should start, you know, maybe second semester of your sophomore year. And when you say start, are you talking about students reaching out to coaches? Are you talking about students creating websites with uh, video that's made readily available? What I'm, t- I'm, I'm saying once that top 10, that list, of your schools that you're interested in, I'm, that's myself, parent, guardian, sending those emails, sending that information out, and then also getting on recruiting platforms. Like NCSA, I know that a lot of colleges, D1 to D3 community, they're all going to NCSA to try to uh, recruit kids as well. You know, But I'm, I'm reaching out to the head coaches, the ADs, you know, the assistant coaches, because they usually have a little bit more time. So I put them all in the email. I send video clips of myself. I send my GPA, SAT scores, different. Obviously, as a sophomore, you're not going to have that yet. But, you know, the pre-SATs, just the more information you can get them, the better. You know, mile run, speed, different things that sports-specific items that they're looking for. Now, is all that stuff able to be cataloged on that website you mentioned, which was what? NCSA. NCSA. And we'll put a link to that in in the show notes. So is all that stuff cataloged there by the student or is that, does a student have to kind of include all of that information in an email or is it good to have it in both places? I think it's good to have it in both places for some, because that platform, schools have to purchase that platform and have that and then have a login username and then give that to their coaches. Um, So I would also, well, coaches are doing that, but not every school is, you know. Okay. So I try to do like a catch-all, like, okay, I'm going to be uh, publicized here on NCSA, has all that information, my ma- my preferred major that I'm looking at, 
Because in schools also look up kids based on their majors too, to ensure that they all have retention and there's kids who actually want to be at that school, not just for sports. But it's typically like what you're sending that email, that's like your sports-specific resume. Yeah. You know, you're trying to market yourself as if you're applying for a job. It re- that makes me think of what should a student have in hand for their potential coaches? Like, I often will receive an email over the summer from a student who is being uh, actively recruited, and the coach will want a transcript. Well, given CBU's timeline, our transcripts are not... Our junior year transcripts are not typically finalized until right around the first week of July. Mm-hmm. So, but that's what coaches are asking for is a transcript. Is a transcript based on the end of sophomore year with final grades and then like a jump rope report? Is that enough? What should a student have in hand when they're actually having some of those meetings with, with coaches? I think some sort of documentation that just shows their academic standing that they're doing good. You know, even if you got to get creative and have previous report cards, you know, like just here's my last four or five, you know, but even if it's like unofficial transcripts or something that the guidance counselors can help with just to show that they're not going to be a concern academically, you know, and again, sophomore year is ideal, but junior year is like really like right. where you want to hone in and get all that's those things going. So and I know sometimes maybe July of your junior year, that, and you're talking previously or at the end of your junior year? At the end of their junior like, year. So somehow spring we would need to have something in hand, you know, and having just some sort of SAT on file, whether it's pre-SAT, ACT, something, just so the coaches could look at it and get a general idea that, okay, this, this student athlete isn't going to be an issue. So now we can focus on the athletic component. And when you say not going to be an issue – my assumption, Ricky, is that a coach may want an athlete, but that at, that student athlete has to be able to be ad, admissible mm-hmm. to the school. So, so are there are the admissions requirements different? Are they similar? How does how does that? I mean, and part of your background is as an athletic director yeah. at the college level. Mm-hmm. So, how does that process work? And I don't know if your process in your previous position uh, kind of was with a test-optional institution, but the SATs and the ACTs, colleges are kind of look at those uh, as maybe not necessary. It's We're in a test-optional environment. So how does that... So at the previous school that I was at, that college had a test option where you could come in and try to test into the school. You know, based on, you know, you had you could sign off on a waiver that you want to waive your SAT. Like, you don't want to use that. You know, then we had a, a accu-placer, per se. Yep. Where, and that would put you in, you know, college-level courses or, you know, you weren't quite there yet. So we would put you in some remedial courses just to try to get you up to speed. And then that following year, you'd be academic, academically and athletically eligible. You know, so for me... I remember because also I had the double duty, which I was coaching the basketball team as well. So I would be in admissions all the time, you know. So I kind of learned that process through just constantly just trying to figure out how I could get student athletes in. And, um, you know, what I would tell the student athletes, the better you do athletic, I mean, academically, the easier my job is because that was a Division three institution. So, again, there was no athletic scholarships. Right. 
but I can go in and have conversations like, hey, you know, this is a, a student athlete that really wants to be here. We like what this student athlete's about. You know, I think they represent what our mission and vision is. What do we need to do? And for some of these student athletes, it was, they're gonna have to take a placement test because, you know, their academic standing isn't where, it's, where it needs to be. Some would go, oh, okay, they're exactly what we want. We're gonna put them in this uh, degree program, the bachelor degree program. Now I would run over to financial aid and see where we were at. And then based on the academics, they go, oh, they scored a, a thousand or higher on their two-part SAT. Um, GPA looks excellent. We can give this student athlete X, Y, and Z. You know, and I try to tell people like it's different than scholarship division one. And sometimes D2 is kind of like that outlier where there's some scholarship, there's there's not, but it's very similar to division three when it comes to just um, academic merit and finances. It's it's kind of like, you know, we can try to do something, but it's, now it's based on a package. It's, it's need, it's academic standings, and then how much someone's vouching for the student athlete, you know? So that's why when you're going to meet these coaches, you don't, per se, you don't want to have baggage, you know, right. because they're going to put their line, their name on the line, and then financially we'll be willing to work with those ADs, those coaches, based on, because we're extensions of active, um, financial aid advisors slash admission counselors yep. because we're all working together to get more students in and, you know, help with retention as well and recruitment. So that's why high academics focus on SAT scores. Take it as many times as possible because they're just going to pick the highest score. And you can mismatch the two highest scores, you know. And then, you know, you, obviously the athletic component would do its part. So D3 schools don't have scholarships, but schools, correct me if I'm wrong, schools can work to make themselves more attractive to to a family. Right. Because they know So they can't of, say, here's Ricky, here's right. here's ten thousand dollars to come play football at our school, but they can look at your overall package and say, All right, we're going to give you ten thousand dollars and break it out in these ways. Yes quote-unquote, to come play football at our school. Exactly. And then at the same time, talking to the families and the students that may be listening, it's kind of like buying a brand-new car. Like, you know, just because you got one quote, you don't want to just jump on that. You know, you want to go to different dealerships and kind of compare and contrast. So once you have yourself, you know, a certain financial aid package, you know, because obviously you made that list, that top ten, that top ten list, and if you have four or five of those schools of Division three or Division two non-scholarship and all academic merit-based, you know, you want to go, hey, look, at this college, they're giving me this amount. Is there any way you could um, offer me more, you know, based on me meeting all the criteria that your school is offering? Because those schools have a, a pot allotted for athletics. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not for athletics, but, like, sometimes the coaches are given – a certain pot that they can give out academic merit. So they're very limited as well. So if they really value you, even at the Division two level, they can give you a significant amount. It doesn't have to be equitable across the board for, like, if they were bringing in four student athletes, you know, and they have a certain amount of money, they can give one athlete 3000 one athlete 10000 one athlete seven, one athlete 20 It just depends on how much they want you and how much you meet their criteria. But they're not going to label it as. <laughs> no, it's, 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 and they're going to tell you exactly like this, you know, uh, you meet our academic standards, you were, 
you you were taking honors courses, your SAT scores is excellent, you know, we're gonna be able to give you this in financial aid. You know. So what and then just to add, division one is a lot different. You right. Know, that's that's you know, the academic standings are still high, especially like if you're trying to go to like a Stanford in comparison to like, you know, University of Miami, you know, but you still have to do well because that covers all phases. Like that that'll make sure that you're just marketable. Because they have two student athletes that are very similar athletically. They're gonna pick the one that did well better academically because they know that's not gonna be a, a issue for them. That's gonna not gonna be an issue. Down the road. Because you know, they always say even at the pros it's the best athlete's the one that's available. You know, right. so if you're not available because of academics, you know, we can't use you. So speaking of academics, I and, and it's something that, that the NCAA clearinghouse. So from my perspective as school counselor, CVU's graduation requirements meet the the applic or the the admission standards for the NCAA clearinghouse, which are in general four credits of English, three math, three science, three social studies, and they do require an extra credit in kind of a discipline area of a student's choice. So you could have some additional English, you could that's where world language would fit in. And so if you are going to graduate from CVU, you are academically eligible through the Clearinghouse. Um, but if you have questions about the NCAA Clearinghouse, come see your school counselor. So, Ricky, who reaches out to student athletes? Do student athletes reach out to coaches? Do Is it kind of coaches reach out to student athletes? What is that? What is that? What is the proper way to navigate that mechanism? I think it's a combination of both. I mean, you know, coaches are sitting back, traveling, putting in a ton of time looking at future student athletes that they want to bring to their school. And uh, they're going to reach out. They're going to send letters. They're going to come to games. They're going to do a lot of things. They're going to do their part. But this conversation to me is more geared towards the student athletes that aren't getting seen because they're not in the major cities or, you know, where it's like prime time. Like, for example, like state of Florida, state of California, or even some schools in New York, they're right. especially basketball, but just depending on the sport, Long Island's getting a lot of lacrosse. Just depending on like, school, coaches are going to go to where they can do a catch all. But I always tell the student athletes that there's always the coaches that are looking for the diamond in the rough, you know, and. I feel like they don't really come to the, the state of Vermont as much as they should. And so that part of that is my job to make them aware. So I'm calling schools that I'm familiar with that I have colleagues at, friends, that is like, hey, look, come. I want y'all walking through our doors. I want you to come check out our student athletes. I mean, like even like I went to grad school at Pace University. They have all, we have every single sport that they have. And I know our student athletes, and that's Division two scholarship, basketball, you know, different things. Our student athletes could definitely play there. You know, and what I'm telling Pace is, like, you know, you're not tapping into a state that these kids are going to go to St. Mike's. And now you're going to have to compete, you know. And just like that, then you start looking at the NE10. And then now those other schools will start coming out because they all don't want to miss out. You know, and it's the same thing with Division One. You know, you have UVM's. We have a lot of their sports, but you have a ton of D1 schools in 
in the New England region that they're not coming here and they need to, you know. So just trying to not only do the parents and the kids should be reaching out because, you know, coaches, it's, it's a ton of kids buying for the same spots. Right. So we, as the, as the CVU, but also as the student athletes and guardians and parents, we need to go the extra mile to make sure that we end up on their radar. You know, so that's what we, my parents did for me. And that's what they did for both of my sisters who played college sports. You know, I, I mean, we even went to the point where even on my, on my visit to Maryland and UConn, I had pictures when I went to Madison Square Garden and watched the UConn men's basketball team at the Final Four. Like, and, that was, and I was going for, for football. But we showed the coaches on the visit, like, hey, look, we've been interested in UConn since I was a child. You know, and we showed them those pictures, and that really moved them, showing yep. that, okay, this kid really wants to be here. You know, and same thing with Maryland. I went to a football game years ago against actually my favorite team, University of Miami. <laughs> but, you know, I was at the Maryland game, so we had pictures of that too. And we were at Maryland showing the coaches, and they were like, okay, he's been invested in us since he was a child. So this is something that's been embedded in him for a long time. So that's, that's part of the marketing. And when I went to college, it wasn't all this social media and YouTube, you know. like So now it's as simple as even in off season, I was telling some of our student-athletes, get outside – in the summer, come to the CBU and get some video clips and just showing, like, you know, speed, running up and down, cutting, using ladders, throwing the ball, or even if you're lacrosse, you know, showing your technique and then getting that recorded and sending that, putting that up on you at NCSA or sending that directly to the coaches, you know, and they're going to go, oh, what's this? It's very simple, sh- short clips. And, again, resumes, sending just highlights. Uh, I run this. I jump this. I uh, scored this on my uh, pre-SAT, you know, just, again, just constantly doing it. One of the things we talk to students about when we go into writing composition classes and in general is when you go to some of those college fairs and you fill out the little index card saying, I'm interested, that's what a school considers uh, a, a student expressing interest and colleges catalog that. Yeah. They catalog who fills out the postcard. They catalog, all right, they filled out a postcard. We sent them an email. Did they open that email? Mm-hmm. Did they respond to that email? How long did it take? Right. So I would imagine kind of ex- that expression of interest in a school plays a lot, plays well with a coach too. If you're reaching out to a coach and the yeah. coach responds, they're not going to respond over Twitter. They're not going to respond over Facebook. They're going to respond either with a phone call or an email. Yeah. And I sat with a student the other day who had 9,000 unread messages in their inbox. Exactly. So if you're not responding to the coaches, like they might not be calling you. They might be just replying to your email. That's a great, you need to be attentive to that's that. That's actually a great topic to bring up. I didn't even think of that. Because you're saying that. Now I'm sitting here like, number one, we're not going to go have an email saying like, I don't know, just have an email that's appropriate. I think kids need to create an email solely for recruiting. Okay. You know, so, yep. you know, Ricky McCollum, my favorite number, 21, you know, at whatever.com. And that's only for the coaches. So I know if that comes in, I can see that email right away. So let's create unique emails that are professional for that school. You know, yep. so that it doesn't get lost because now, again, like you said, hey, I emailed the kid twice. They never responded. We moved on, you know. So 
definitely would advise to having that. Who was number 21? Deion Sanders. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> Prime time. Right, right. I have a 23 too for Michael Jordan, but, you know, it depends on the sport. <laughs> I, I grew up in Chicago when the Bulls were, like, when Michael was a rookie. Oh, that's, like, my favorite athlete of all time. So, but, yeah. I, I can remember going to Chicago Stadium to see the Blackhawks and then going to see going to see Jordan and I saw Live? yeah That's amazing. I saw Jordan in uh, Shaq's first appearance at, at Chicago Stadium when he was with Orlando. That's good stuff. <laughs> I'm old. Yeah, that's I'm good old. stuff. I'm old. Ever see Shaq and Penny versus uh, Mike. That's, yep. that's Mike and Pippen. That's amazing. Mike and Pippen took him down. So, but you bring up you bring up a very interesting interesting topic around email, and one of the things, couple things that we see is we see parent email addresses. So we'll see uh, instead of russellacido at gmail dot com, mm-hmm. my dad's name's Roger. So the email address that's on my college application or on my student interest account yep. might be my dad's name, right. which I tell students is a no no. And then we have, like, the inappropriate email addresses. Like, something inappropriate, not even going to give examples, at gmail.com or whatever. And, like, you might think that that inappropriate email address is funny, but coaches aren't dumb and they figure that out. And they don't think it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. And then look at your Facebook profiles. Look at your social media profiles. That's because where they're going. They go they're right there. going to those and making some decisions about athletes based on what has been, what your email address is, who the email address belongs to, mm-hmm. and what you're posting online. Mm-hmm. Long-winded way of saying, what should students, how do you think students should handle that? What should students, what are some do's and what are some don'ts? I think when, it's like a job, Right. It's because you're marketing yourself to be the best candidate for the position. I think as soon as the student becomes, you know, you should be living this anyway, you know. Right. But as soon as you're starting to think about college and starting to really, that sophomore year where you want to start marketing yourself, you're going to put yourself out there, so you're going to be researched. So that's when you should go comb through all your social medias, and I would literally delete anything that, is even halfway questionable. Whether it's a video with rap lyrics that just using profanity, delete it. It is what it is. You know, any kind of like language that you've used in in, in uh, postings and quote quotes, delete that. Um, I would also now use your name or just make your profile private, but do that anyway. You know, because we I've at the college level, I've looked at profiles and seen student athletes outside throwing up some sort of hand signals and we are we're assuming that that could be maybe gang signs we have no idea based on what it was perceived as and again you know we are a part of the brand which is the institution so we're not going to bring someone in that's going to make the school look bad because ultimately that's a reflection of us so we have to be very cautious and mindful so that's why I tell the student athletes you have to do the same do the same thing you know so you know, if you're going to have it public and you're going to, because you want them to be able to see some of your videos, be inspiring. Be something that, you know, you're confident, you know, if your guardians, parents, you know, friends seeing that no one would be offense, uh, offended by it, but it would inspire somebody to maybe 
you know what, maybe they're working, maybe I need to get out and go work, you know. So I think it should be inspiring and uplifting as opposed to trying to, quote-unquote, look cool, you know, it just, it has inspired. Um, things that I wouldn't do is I wouldn't be doing anything that's going to make yourself or the school that you're at look bad, you know. You have to be selfless. You got to put the institution, and in this instance, put CVU first. You know, because why would somebody want to get in their car from Maryland and drive all the way to Vermont if they could go look at your profile and go, "Oh, so that'd be a waste of time." Not going to do it. You right. Know, you got to make them want to come here. <laughs> so don't give them any reason not to, because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for a reason to move on and do something local. You know, and you don't want to have colleges always want to stay local because then that's limiting your opportunities, you know? So then you got to go above and beyond and try to just do the right thing. And again, like it might sound cliche, but academics first, academics first, because that's can separate you from somebody else that, that may have equal or greater talent than you. If you can separate yourself from academics and then coaches feel like they can just teach you the X's and O's, then they're going to take a chance on you. Because the academics also show your athletic acumen to some mm-hmm. degree. To your performance academically right. shows your your ability to understand plays, Absolutely. philosophies. Right. Um, it's not easy at college, and I know it's funny is that a college coach told me when they were recruiting me. They said they just asked me why did you why are you going for regents? Because at that time to go to like in state colleges you needed regents, and I was looking out of state. And I was like, because I compete at all levels. Like I said, they told me Regents is available, but you could just get a general diploma. I said, absolutely not. So you graduated from high school in New York if you're taking your Regents. Right, right. And I said, I wanted everything. I wanted a star next to my name. I wanted high honor roll. I wanted a Regents diploma because that was the best. So the coach was like, that was reason. one of the reasons why they said, you know what? We actually think you'd be perfect fit for us because you compete at everything. And I said, absolutely there's something that you can achieve, I want it. <laughs> like, why would I not aim high? You right. know, so that, that was something that I told the coach, and that was just how I felt. And then, you know, so even if you're here and you can take honors and different things to show that you challenge yourself, coaches look at that as well. Yeah. So what are some basic questions that a coach might ask you during during that recruiting call or that on-site, on-site visit? Can you give us some insight into what a coach might ask? <laughs> it might start off with what's your height and weight <laughs> you know and then um what's some of your hobbies and extracurricular things that you do outside of the sport you play just to see yep. what else are you doing what else are you into you know are you challenging yourself what do you, do you work um have you volu- did any volunteer opportunities you know helping out in your local community um so those questions might not be strictly related to that sport they might not be yeah. asking those surface questions about, you know, it, do you prefer Gretzky or how? Right. Do you prefer Sanders or it's Roethlisberger? Like a, right. It's more like a, it's not an investigation, but they're actually trying to get a chance to know you as the individual because they know you love that sport. And they're going to get into that as well. And they're going to do their research and homework and watch game film. You know, which I always tell people regarding game film, always send the highlight tape, but make sure it's two minutes max. Make it short in just the best clips, and then your top one or two games. It's all they need. Don't make a highlight tape 10 minutes because they know it's a highlight tape. Right. But so they're going to use that and that resume slash 
whatever platform you might be on to really recruit you. Then they're going to ask, and this is why sportsmanship is crucial, because before coaches even recruited me, they went into Section 9 in Orange County and asked all the rival schools, tell us about Ricky McCollum. Really? And then they said they came to us because the other schools said that I was the best athlete. So they all came. But they would ask, who's the best athlete in Section 9? And then when they would mention whoever, like the top athletes, we noticed this one kid, can you tell us about him? And coaches would be like, you know what, we thought he was, from the newspapers, we thought he might have been, you know, overconfident, et cetera. But when we played them, he had great sportsmanship and he was nothing like what we thought. So would a coach ask a potential recruit, tell us about the other athletes in your... I think they usually, they would tell us about the other athlete, but I don't think they would ask a recruit. I think they, what they would ask is the coaches. But what they asked me when they met me was like, who do you consider your rival? And who do you okay. consider your toughest yep. team? So at that point, it was like, Keith Simmons, Artemis Fisher, and we don't have to use names, but like they're they played pro so in basketball. So I was like over in Kingston, they're they're really good, and we got a game coming up. So when we played them, ton of scouts came to that game because now they want to see the best versus the best type of deal, you know. So, and I had a good relationship with the coach over at Kingston, so I let them know I had mentioned them. So they definitely want to see who, what are everybody else in your neighborhood and your environment is saying about you. And what are the other coaches thinking about you? Because obviously other coaches are recruiting you, and then they want to know what kind of person you are because that's very important as well. You know, because, again, that's they're taking a risk putting you <laughs> and bringing you in. So they want to make sure that they do not make a mistake. Um, and I'm curious. I think parents are an important part of this process. So how involved should parents be? Can they ask questions? It's funny. In, in that in that process, like what kind of voice should they have? Because ultimately, as a parent, I'm sending my child. Yeah, I'm putting my trust in you as the basketball coach or me as the hockey coach. So like I'm putting my trust in that particular coach. So what level of involvement? should and can I have in that process as, as a parent? As a parent and guardian, I think you have to be all in. And I think because the way they're recruiting the students, I think the parents and the students need to be recruiting them, you know, and scouting them. Like, I know it's funny. We joke, but I told my mom and my dad, I said, y'all like my agents. Y'all got to help, you know, market me, brand me, but also make sure that I'm making the right decision. And ultimately, it's mine, but they were looking up schools for my sister who ended up going to St. Lawrence and was just like, you know, uh, what's the crime rate? What's this? Because my other sister played basketball at DePaul, you know, and they were like, okay, what's it look like in the surrounding area? And I know there's reports where, like, they tell you everything. And we sat down and we looked at academic standards in comparison to other schools. We looked at the crime rate in the surrounding neighborhoods. We looked at... How even how much the school party? You know, this is all. There's a I forgot the name of it, and it's definitely a report that's out there for every single school. Uh, the amount of kids in the class, because you got to also look at. You might want to go to, per se, Alabama or Clemson, but do you do well in a classroom with, seven hundred people and the teachers down on the stage with a microphone? Right. You know, or do you do better in the smaller classes? So you also got to look at those things as well. You know, so parents. At the games, you know, video recording, helping find someone that can make highlight tapes, 
although now it's a little bit different because of the apps, but also, you know, helping write out emails, sending them out, like, it's, it's a lot of work on, on both parties. And, you know, I think parents and guardians should be actively involved because it's, it's definitely a lot. And if it wasn't for my parents, I don't know where I would have gone because, you know, even though Section 9 is considered really good athletics, they were probably not there. They were probably still scouts were elsewhere. But see, they came there because we were sending things out. We were sending tape. We had made tons of tapes and sent them all out. You know, now you can just send yourself a link and an email. That's a lot easier. I say that's easier. Yeah, I was sending VHS tapes. <laughs> yeah, you know, dubbing all those VHS. Right, tapes. trying to hey, coach, could you give me the tapes? Could you give me the tapes? You know, so that's why what we're going to try to do here is get all the games that we have here um, filmed to try to help. So then, oh, okay. so then the student athletes here can request that, and then they can take the footage and get it uh, chopped up and turn it into highlights and send those things out. You know, because you never know. You like, you might have an excellent game and be doing really well, and you're gonna go, "Oh, I need that," but no one recorded it. Right. You know, you, you gotta have it. You know, those are those are opportunities, and you need to have them. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you feel is important in this process something important to consider something important to do um for me it's just like i've always been told try to try to do the right thing when no one's looking try to make sure that you know you don't burn any bridges make sure that your teachers have things good to say about you guidance counselors principals ad's because those are the people that ultimately going to have a large say in your next steps because coaches, scouts, they're going to go right to those individuals. You know, so it's just doing the right thing when no one's watching, you know. And um, academics, 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 I can't harp on it more. You know, even with the NCAA Clearinghouse, I mean, our students, I mean, I've worked with a lot of students here already. Our GPAs are excellent. You know, it's, it's only like, you know, you have to graduate a diploma, you got to have like a 2.0 or something, and then you have to score a certain level in the ACT or SAT. It's 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 not difficult, but again, that's that's aiming low. That's being bare minimum. Right. And when you're trying to compete, and I have a student athlete that has a three point nine, and I have a student athlete that has a two point two, and the two point two student athlete may run a little faster, may jump a little higher. I'm going with the three point nine because I believe, and this is how we thought at the collegiate level is, well, our strength and conditioning program is going to make them the best athlete that they could possibly be. So it's about upside potential when you're being recruited. Can do you have the intangibles to get better? To get better. That's a hundred percent what the name of the game is. You know, so if <laughs> they came into my principal's office and they had and my principal played uh at a uh, University of Miami, so and he played for the Detroit Lions in football, so they said, Can he play division one? That was the first thing they asked. He said, Absolutely. They proceeded to now look at my hand size and my arm length. <laughs> you know, it was like I was like at a factory. And then because they already did their homework with the footage, they've already done their homework with the academics. So now when they come, I'm pretty sure they're going to come ask me, hey, can this kid play at this level? You know, period. Yes or no. And they're going to. And again, now that's my word that I'm going to vouch for student athletes, you know. Right. So that's why it's never burn bridges, you know, and that's what I always tell uh uh, that's what I've always told my student athletes, no matter where I go, and that's what my parents told me. 
just don't burn bridges and try to just leave a, a great impression with everybody, if possible, you know, because people are going to ask others about you, you know, and what's that story? And you never know when you're going to need somebody exactly. to open a door for you mm-hmm. or vouch for you, and if you've left a bad impression along the way, right. uh, you're not, you might not be given that opportunity. And a, another thing is, this is different, this is just athletic-driven, go hard all the time because it's it's strange. Coaches want to, and I know this is when I was trying to go to the NFL, like they want to watch the plays that aren't so fun. So they're going to go to, like, for example, football. They will go to, like, let's say punt. Let's see what it looks like when he's on punt. Interesting. So, like, let's see what you're doing when you're maybe not the main focus. And you of the really play. don't want to be on that special teams. Right. So, oh, he's jogging here, so he's taking plays off because, you know, this is not the fun, exciting part of the game. And we're losing the game. Right. Are you the hockey player who just does rink turns, or are you competing, exactly. digging for the puck in the corner, still going to the front of the net, mm-hmm. that kind of thing? And that's what I do sometimes when I come to some of our games here. I'm looking at student-athletes. I'm like, ah, you got to run a little harder to get back on defense. Because even if I liked you, when I see these three, four plays in a row that you're kind of just like body language, that's the tail of the tape, eye in the sky. We, we don't know you from a hole in the wall. But if I see if times get tough and it's oh, jawing at the refs or just head hanging low and not yep. encouraging, I can't use that. But if you're constantly someone that's uplifting others and hustling, no matter what the sport is, oh, we can use that because that's rare. You know, and that's so, what they're looking for. So we, we generally believe that a college admissions rep will look at do the initial read in an application and generally take between four and six minutes on that application. Mm -hmm. And if I'm an athlete and I'm sending a coach a videotape of only my best plays, it sounds like you're leaving them wanting to understand a little bit more about your character. So how long do you think... uh, uh, a coach spends at looking at information about a potential athlete. Same amount of time, or no? It depends. It depends because, like, I mean, sometimes I've gotten emails with YouTube clips, and like, if it was addressed to just like blind copy, like a million coaches that we couldn't see, I didn't even really look at it. I would forward it to my assistants. I just had too many. Yep. You know, but ones that you got to do something that's eye catching, but like, you know. Hey, um, new prospect, you know, hey, I've already applied through admissions. They already have my information, but I just wanted to send you my, let you know I'm interested, here's my highlight tape. So now you're like, oh, okay, like, they already kind of did the groundwork, you know, so they're already in our system. So now you're spending a little bit more time. So now, like, okay, let me see, because this person potentially already going to be here anyway. You know, and then admissions, I would definitely always check the athletic box that you play a certain sport because admissions is usually guided to, if they get any of those cue cards that has that, a, a kid that plays a sport, send that to the coaches. And there's someone that goes through those because you don't want to miss that diamond in the, in the rough. Right. You know, so that, and those definitely get better and sit directly to the coaches. You know, but definitely because coaches are going to get a lot of the YouTube. Send it directly to the coach. Take the time. Don't just... Send it to yourself and blind copy all the coaches. You know, they, they, they want you to send it there. Hey, Coach Ricky McCollum, like, you know, or Coach McCollum, like, 
I'm really interested in your school. I've already connected with your admissions uh, team. I'm really interested in here. I'm being recruited by uh, other Division two, Division one schools, you know, but I'm really interested in your school. That's going to catch my eye because I'm like, wait, wait. Well, let me take a look. If this is a Division one, I, I don't want to. I don't want to go to Connecticut right. College if I can get him to to UConn. Exactly. You know. So now, like, well, let me see because everybody wants something that somebody else wants. Why? You're going to Quinnipiac? No, 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 no. You're going to come right. play hockey at UConn. Exactly. You, exactly. You know. And that's what I tell you. You gotta do the work. So because as soon as you get a level of interest, you can use that. And so if you if you if you see an athlete that you're really interested in, are you spending? significant time looking at their stuff or are you like all right that russ acido kid he can come play hockey for me yeah but now and, we have to continue to keep you interested so now the the power shifted because now we know you have options so now i come into the office i'm like i talk to one of my sisters hey did you go reach out to russ acido we need him here like that's a, that like did you reach out to him today nope hey let's go like, like give him a call like let's let's send him an email let him know that we're still interested because if it's quiet you know, we think that, you, you know, you don't feel like we really want you. But it's also, is it incumbent upon me as the athlete to continue to continue to keep that line of communication open? Whereas, so is it's, it's not necessarily a no news is good news, but I'm going to kind of continue to engage the coach in some sort of conversation. Yeah. Is that, is that an important part of the process? Not necessarily to sell myself. But to continue to, as we talked about earlier, express interest. Yes and no. I mean, it, it's it's a it's this this. Or is that a really fine line? It's between? a fine line. <laughs> it's per se cat and mouse type of deal. So yeah. you know, you want to. It just depends where you are, as the as a student athlete. But you definitely want to make sure the lines of communication is there, but you don't want to appear like desperate. Desperate because they may go. We might be their only their only option. But I'm also thinking about what you had said earlier, where their coach is watching that that player who is on the punt return team and doesn't necessarily want to be there, but really hustles. Like, how do I, as an athlete, like demonstrate? Is it only on the field where I can demonstrate that? How, you know, what is that well, line like, like example, outside of this the right. the game? Well, I mean, even just I mean, when they come watch you in person, it's different. Because then they're going to watch you on the sidelines. They're going to do all that other stuff. But when there's still that relationship from a distance, you can all, for example, if I'm going to use football, they have my highlight tape. They have my two my two full games that they can watch everything. But if I have a game that I, uh, it's been, communication's been quiet, but I had a really good play on, like, kickoff. I'll just take that clip and send that to the coach. And but hey, just want to just give you an update that, you know, we had a really good, great game last week, and I just wanted to show you this clip that I had. And that's a way to just kind of show them you can engage in the combo without really seeming like without without emailing every day, right, every right, week, right. You're just, and then they can, they'll click that too because they're already they're already somebody of they're already interested. And they're in like, oh, oh, that looks good because you know at the end of the day the coaches are kids at heart. You know they love the game and they're like, oh, and they're gonna show the other coaches like, hey, and they're competing with each other. Who could bring in the the top recruiting class because they get married on that as well. You know, so it's. It's 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 a fine line, but that's why it's just effort, effort, effort. But even like some of the kids that in their off season, I'm like, you can go down to the gym, get your buddy, or or another student here to take a, a video of you doing a workout, like just you know the bench press or squatting or you know out on the field. That's why I say, hey, look, it's not a bad idea. If you don't have to sport in the spring, 
run track because no matter what sport it is, the faster athlete is the one they're looking for. So if you get someone and you you could just show them I ran the 100 meter, 200 meter, and get a clip of you running the 100, I mean, that's all over social media right now. Some of these guys in the NFL, they're like, did you see him when he ran the 100 meter when he was back in high school in Maryland? And they show the 100, and that's like the one that's getting top views. So whether it's soccer, lacrosse, cross country, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, just they want to show that speed. You know, so I say if you're not doing a spring sport, I would I would tell kids no matter what I would get involved in track because it's keeping you active, it's keeping you in shape, and it's teaching you running mechanics. So that's ultimately going to help you become a better athlete in whatever sport you choose. Cool. Well, thank you, Ricky. No problem. I'm going to put it out to 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 families, and if you have questions. You know, after listening, don't hesitate to shoot questions my way or Ricky's way. And if we Absolutely. if we compile enough of them, we'll come back together and answer some specifics. But it's, thanks for coming in and No problem. Chatting. This is another component slash a very important component for a large population. So we're here to help.